This is from Luke chapter 3. It is from the birth of Jesus. It's just you probably never heard this on Christmas Eve before. So hang with me. Starting in verse 23, Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Heli, down to verse 30. Levi was the son of Simeon. Simeon was the son of Judah. Judah was the son of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jonah. And down to 32, David was the son of Jesse. You probably recognize his name. Jesse was the son of Obed. Obed was the son of Boaz. Boaz was the son of Salmon. 34, Judah was the son of Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. Abraham was the son of Terah. And all the way to 38, Enosh was the son of Seth. Seth was the son of Adam. Adam was the son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This December, earlier this month, my mother sent me and my sister an email. It was called, titled, Uncle Billy. That seemed a little strange since I don't have any uncles, let alone an Uncle Billy. I have a grandmother who's named Billy, um, and I have an aunt who's named Bobby. We like that boy name used for girl in my family, I guess. But I wondered who Billy with a Y was, so I clicked it open, and this is what it said. Hi, girls. Ever want to be related to royalty? Me neither. But as Aunt Bobby found out in Tracing Family Lines, one of our great-grandmothers is half-sister to William the Conqueror. Before he got that title, he was known, unfortunately, as William the Bastard. His mom was really getting around. The Franklins you see are Benjamin Franklin's relatives. No wonder I'm leery of electricity. We are related to so many people that it boggles the mind. Anyway, I love you, Mom. Also surfacing in that genealogical research, if that is such a word, was this man, my great-great-grandfather, Jasper Long, who apparently enjoyed dressing his dog up in a shirt and tie. Pictures didn't come cheap in that day, so you have to wonder about a man who would pose the dog this way and maybe what would be passed on to his, his descendants, and we would look at him this way and decide that it's true, eccentricity is genetic. But there are a few things that might have been handed down to you. In fact, there are lots that instead of making you laugh, would probably make you cry. And whenever I think about that, I think about this picture of Jesus' birth. You have it on the front of your bulletin, I have it in my home because I love it so much. And this picture speaks to me because of the way it's done. You see the dark canvas and the angel speaking and the shepherd's upturned faces, and I love how even the sheep are kind of looking. And it's all dark, and even, you know, the, in the darkness, the, the cow and the donkey look out, and Joseph has this lantern, and there's a flame, but it's not casting a light anywhere. The only light is in the center triangle of that picture, and it shows us three things, that there is a manger, there's Mary, and there's Jesus. And the part that I love the very most about this picture is the surprising inclusion between those two hearts of an apple. I love that. Because it talks to us about the part of the birth story that we're like, oh, it's so boring. So-and-so begat such-and-such begat such-and-such, please. We skip that. That doesn't give us the warm Christmas fuzzy feeling that we like to get around Christmas time, and so it becomes a boring footnote. And yet, in both Matthew and Luke, we have these genealogies. There's something important here. And to me, that apple is actually the heart of what Christmas is about. It's the family tree of Jesus, and it's the reason that he needed to come. 
Now, think, I told you that they're in there um, and that it's the heart of the Christmas message, but why? Well, who was at the beginning of that list or the end? Who started it all? That famous, infamous apple biter, our great, 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 whatever, grandfather, Adam, and his lovely wife, Eve. What a mixed bag those two were, right? Formed in the image of God, God's breath filling their lungs and his love in their heart. They got to walk with him in paradise every day. They loved him. They loved each other. And yet, some little snake slithers up to him and is like, you could be like God. And they're like, heck yeah, let's do that. You know, let's eat the one thing God told us not to eat. We don't know that it was an apple. It actually doesn't say that. But it's become the symbol for all that is forbidden for our arrogance and pride and grasping for what we shouldn't have and for the consequences that followed. Because what happened when they bit the apple? They died. That's what God said would happen, is that they would die. They didn't drop dead on the spot. But the world began to die. It wasn't paradise anymore. The darkness entered, and eventually they died. Apple. To me, this is what has been handed down generation after generation, and all of us have taken a bite and then handed it on. We can't hardly help it. I mean, we're arrogant. We are their children, right? We grab at what we shouldn't have, and though we wish we could leave our children a different legacy, it seems like this is what we give them. More brokenness, more darkness, more of what we wish we could pass by. And throughout the time, you remember when Adam and Eve so they, they take the bite, and then they try to cover it up with fig leaves and finger pointing, right? Everybody's blaming somebody in that story, and nobody's saying, hey, that was actually my fault. We do the same thing. We take a bite, and then we just hope nobody notices, or we hope that maybe somebody else will get the blame, that we can cast it off. Somebody has got to take the fall. That's why I love this genealogy, because name 77 took the fall. That's why I love Jesus holding an apple, a child, God entering our family tree to set it right. The book of Romans has this. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, and so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this one other man, Jesus Christ. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. We're here tonight because on that night long ago, God took the fall for our apple biting. We had handed this down like a hot potato from generation to generation to generation. And it stopped with Christ. It stopped with the one who said, all this brokenness, the world that is so dark that you just wish you could get out of, here's the way out. No more apple. Life begins anew. That's what Christmas is. And I had a guy last week in our church say, did you sing Silent Night? And I, I don't think we sang it last week. And I said, we're going to sing it Christmas Eve. He said, oh, I'm going to be gone, but I need to tell you what it means for me. He said, I when I was a soldier in Vietnam, we were, we were in Vietnam in the field on Christmas Eve. He said, war doesn't stop to observe the holidays. And so they were in the battlefield. They had marched all day, all these soldiers far from home, and they sat down in this field 
and they took each other's hands at the end of the day because it was Christmas Eve. They had just the stars overhead, and they started telling each other the story. It was like this. It was like this. And then they began to sing very softly because they were in a battlefield, silent night. He said as they sang, gunfire started. They could see the flare, the muzzles of all those, the machine guns and the rifles being fired at each other. And he said, we kept singing, but I looked down in my hands as I thought, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. He said, there in my hands was a gun. And I realized that my whole year had been trying to kill people before they killed me. And what I realized that night was how much we need a Savior how much we need God to come into this broken world and make it right. So if you're tired of the darkness, if you're sick to death of the brokenness that's in your heart, if you can't wear that mask any longer and tell people that it's fine, this is your night because our Savior has come and the world truly can be different. Let's pray. God, come into our hearts this Christmas. We invite you to be part of our family tree, to make it new, to win the battle, to give us back our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.